Podcast. My name is Joe Rybant, and each and every week we'll be here talking about the week ahead, the week that was, and much, much more. This week's a little different, as we have no new titles hitting the shelves, but we do have a pair of alternate covers shipping to stores, and you're going to want to look for the following limited edition covers in stores on Wednesday, November 15th. First up, we have New Battlestar Galactica number 3, the limited Pat Lee variant cover, alongside covers by series artist Nigel Rayner, Adriano Batista, Pat Lee, and another stunning photo cover, Dynamite has produced a variant Pat Lee cover for New Battlestar Galactica number 3. Check with your local retailer for availability. Now, over at the Dynamite boards, Drifter39 wrote in to talk about New Battlestar Galactica 3, saying, Nigel Rayner's art just keeps getting better and better, along with some awesome covers by David Carell and letters by Simon Boland. And definitely can't forget about Greg Pak. He is a masterful storyteller and seems to have really nailed down the Battlestar Galactica universe. Issues 0 through 2 were great, and this issue continues by grabbing you from the start and never letting go. Great work, guys. Keep it up. I'm glad to hear Nigel's getting some love. The man's work continues to evolve issue to issue, and while we're purposely not doing exact actor-actress likeness, this book remains a solid visual companion to Sci-Fi's excellent series. And more on Battlestar Galactica 3 later in the podcast. Also this week, you're going to want to look for the Red Sony number 16 limited Jim Ballant cover. Now this one's a little different from the new Battlestar Galactica 3 Pat Lee variant in that this is an original piece of art not available in the regular cover run by Jim Ballant. So alongside covers by series artist Mel Ruby, uh, guest artist E. Bass, uh, interior artist Steven Sadowski, and the legendary Dick Giordano, we've produced a variant Jim Ballant cover, an all-new image for Red Sonja number 16. And again, you're going to want to check with your local retailer for availability. And speaking of Red Sonja 16, Ray Tate over at SilverBullet.com said of Red Sonja 16, Oming and Ruby wisely do not spend much time on the battlefield where massive armies may threaten to sweep the story away. Massive armies work better in widescreen with actors than in comic books or novels. The constant violence and hackery can get boring if read in great clumps. Because this is more of a personal story, Oming focuses on Sonya's duel against Creepy Boy, he means the Borat Nafore, and Oming makes his, this a three-way duel just to accent just how much of a martial threat, not just a demonic threat, Creepy Boy represents. The return of Kulan Goth in Red Sonya so far has lost little steam. Over on our own boards, member Arvindor talked about Red Sonya 16, saying, Another great issue with awesome art and great action. I like the flashback scenes in particular. But one thing I'd like to talk about especially is that splash image on pages 2 through 3, the vision of the goddess in Kulan Goth. What do you think of it? What's your interpretation? Was it just a warning to Sonya or something more? I've got a growing suspicion. I don't trust that so-called goddess. You're going to want to keep reading because the connection between Goth and the goddess will be further explained as the arc continues. And of course, this arc ends with issue 18, and that's the conclusion of the return on Kulan Goth. We then go into 19 through 24, which will be Sonya on the other side of the world, and then look for number 25 to be a big anniversary event that will continue to explore uh, Kulan Goth's effect on the world, as well as Red Sonya's struggle and the connection with the goddess. Next week in stores, you're going to want to look for Savage Red Sonya number 4, the Monster War trade paperback collection. Classic Battlestar Galactica number two, and the Army of Darkness Old School Collection. We also may be shipping Army of Darkness number 12 next week, or it may be the week after. More details as they come. Now, last week also saw the much-anticipated release of the Army of Darkness movie adaptation trade paperback. Over at Broken Frontier, 
J.P. Dorigo reviewed our efforts, saying, This graphic novel can easily be recommended to fans of Army of Darkness and the Evil Dead films, or even horror addicts in general. The collection still holds up as well as it did when it first came out in 93. The writing is fun and sharp, and the art is original and well done. So load up your boomstick and gas up your chainsaw, because there's an army of darkness heading for your local comic shop. Nice. Go grab a copy. It's a good-looking book. Highly recommended. Of course, I might be biased. Now, as we only have a couple of uh, alternate covers in stores this week from books that shipped the previous week, and as last week we were very light on outside commentary, this week we're actually pretty heavy on outside commentary. So we're going to catch up with some of the reviews that have been floating around the web, and we're going to start with... Mr. Mark Mason over at the Comics Waiting Room, and he had some nice things to say about classic Battlestar Galactica, and this piece in particular was nice to read because there's, as you know if you've been listening, a good deal of debate over our chosen direction for this series. So Mark writes, I give credit to Remender. He does a pretty decent job of capturing the voices of the classic cast. I could hear Dirk Benedict whipping out Starbucks dialogue, no problem. And Carlos Rafael, while not being strict about likeness, does a very good job of making these characters easily recognizable. So this has a nice, comfy feel for, fan, for the fan of the original. Mission accomplished, at least with Mark. And let me comment about likeness, because I mentioned it before when I was talking about new Battlestar Galactica number 3. Likeness of the characters and the actors can be done, but it would add a layer of approval that would take extra time. And as some of you may know, we uh, run a very tight monthly schedule as it is. So we don't want to add any extra layers that can delay the books even more than the regular uh, approvals process can take in a licensed project. So we purposely, purposely do not do exact likeness. What we're trying to do is evoke the feel of the character without doing a photo reference of the character. So there's been some comments about Nigel's art, there's a comment here about Carlos's art. These guys can draw the exact likeness all day long. Trust me, I've seen it. But we purposely stay away from the exact likeness. So, And going back a bit, Mark also found an appreciation for Red Sonia Monster Isle, saying, it doesn't get much more old school than this. Roy Thomas and Pablo Marcos are, together, bringing about 80 years of comics experience to the party when they team up to produce a book. They also bring a storytelling philosophy and style that you don't see very often anymore, which makes Monster Isle a rather rare treat. In short, these guys created a comic that was fun. No more, no less, and in this case, that was plenty good enough for me. Now if you missed Monster Isle, go hunt one down, because it's good as Mark says. And we hope to be doing some more stuff with Roy Thomas. We're actually talking with Pablo Marcos about a special project that you'll hopefully see his art on uh, in the near future. Now Mark wasn't done with those two titles on the Comics Waiting Room blog. He takes on a bunch more of Dynamite's best and first up is The Lone Ranger number two. Now Mark wasn't as gung-ho about issue number one as the rest of the world so let's hear what he thinks about issue number two. Right out of the gate, we're introduced to Tonto, and he's a fascinating guy, a warrior who will obviously play sidekick to no one. We also get a look at the conspiracy that killed John Reed's family, and what will drive his becoming the West's greatest hero. Throw Cariello's excellent art into the mix, and this reads as one of the best books Dynamite has produced this year. I was never a fan of this character, but I'll be a permanent convert if the creative team can keep up this level of quality. All I'll have to say is welcome to the club, Mark. The Lone Ranger is definitely the breakout book of 2006, and having seen further into the series than we have shipped so far, uh, the scripts, the art, etc., the quality is being kept up issue to issue, and that's thanks to our excellent, excellent creative team. 
Mark also took a look at Highlander number one, saying, the one weakness here is that, like in the film, McCloud is not a very interesting fellow when compared against the rest of his cast, and has yet to come to life in the comic. Still, this is solid reading, especially when factoring in Motor's usual terrific art. Now, I'll tell Mark to keep reading because Jerwa's firing on all cylinders with this one, and Connor really comes out of his shell when he takes on that dark quickening in issue number six. Also, of note, issue number two is heading to the printer, and you should look for that in stores in the next week or so. And while AOD as a whole isn't really Mark's thing, he did comment on AOD issues 10 and 11, saying, Kohorik really excels at delivering the goofy elements that make Bruce Campbell's soul appealing on film, and Shark turns in some good-looking pages. Thanks, Mark. We'll take it. Now, like most of us, Mark is a big fan of the new Galactica series. So how does our Galactica comic fare in his reviewer's hands? Well, he looked at Battlestar Galactica number 2 and 3, saying... Pac delivers a story that plays surprisingly fair with your emotions and gets much closer in feeling to the series itself. Not only do we get all that, we also get a pleasantly surprising nod to the original series. I had enjoyed the first two issues of this book, mostly because I loved the series, and getting more of the characters during the hiatus between seasons was nice. But this was the first time I really enjoyed the comic on its own merits, which bodes well as the book continues forward. And that's good to hear, Mark. We'll keep track of how this series progresses in your eyes. Now, over at Newsarama, three dynamite titles go under the microscope, and first up is Red Sony number 16. Reviewers said, They had me at the Mastodons with glowing eyes. Seriously, battle is joined in a big way as Sonya and her allies bring their might to bear on the army of Kulangoth. The battle barely gets underway in this issue, which is remarkable because it's wall-to-wall -wall action. Sonya remains a gem in the Sword and Sorcery comics crown. Excellent. Thank you, boys. Now, he also talked about Xena number four, saying, Showing the company's depth, that other famous warrior woman works in a completely different way. Yeah, she's a tough chick swinging a big sword, too, but the wit and playfulness of the TV show are perfectly captured by writer John Lehman. Again, right on, guys. Excellent. Thank you. And finally, they talked about Battlestar Galactica number three, new Battlestar Galactica number three, that is, saying, even within the rigid confines of a complicated and brilliant continuity, Greg Pak manages to write the characters and situations into new directions without upsetting the balance of the dictates of the show. The character work here is particularly impressive, especially if you know the show and can hear the voices from your sense memory. Honestly, I think that Dynamite is doing a great job with their licensed books. Hooking readers up with familiar concepts is one way that comics will be able to keep pulling in new readers. Couldn't agree more. Thanks, guys, and keep reading. Now, before we go, let's do a couple of Dynamite teases of the week. That crossover that I mentioned last week, the one that will be introducing a new license to Dynamite Stable, I think we found our artist, and he's someone we currently are working with. I love it when a plan comes together. Oh, and for those speculating on the Dynamite boards about that other crossover we haven't announced yet, let me just say that it's not Conan. Also, Red Sonja writer Michael Avon Oming stopped by the Dynamite offices this week to talk about a couple of upcoming projects and complete his signing for the special edition of the Red Sonja hardcover. And that should be shipping to stores in the next week or so. I know I've seen some questions about that. The hardcover took a little longer than the trade because, of course, we were offering it as a signed edition. So that'll do it for this week. Thanks for listening. Please email us and tell us what you think. We may just send you something for your thoughts. You never know. As always, we can be reached online at dynamiteentertainment.com and I can be reached at submissions at dynamiteentertainment.com or letters at dynamiteentertainment.com. 
To find a comic shop near you, visit csls.diamondcomics.com or call 1-888-COMIC-BOOK. <laughs>